Thank you for listening to the Around the Net Post Tennis Podcast. Please tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Around the Net Post Tennis Podcast. I'm George Barfoot and I'm here with uh, Jacob Andrus. Uh, how's your week been, Jacob? My week's been great. Uh just been enjoying the tennis the weather here has been getting warmer but it's also been very rainy so i haven't actually spent much time on the tennis court which has left me more time to watch the australian open how about yourself yeah it's been uh, it's been good I'm, I'm excited this is the uh, the first time i'm going to be able to say uh, like uh, on the road episode um I, i'm in uh, raleigh right now i was in tampa earlier this week um on some projects which was which was fun to to see some new places um but yeah it's uh, it's been quite quite a week um for on the tennis front and uh, yeah it's been uh, it's been good i never thought i'd say this but um traveling alone and lonely nights in the hotel room watching tennis sound like a bit of a loser but got to watch more tennis than i usually would nice nice i can't i wouldn't say i would complain about that i get the, the chance to watch some uh, great quarterfinal matches this past week. Yeah, no, it was a, uh, and one was uh, one was crazy. It was you know, uh, um, I don't know, it didn't finish till like six six o'clock uh, local Australian time. So I uh, felt like it was being played in the United States, not in, not in Australia. Um, that's how late the finish was. That is true. You're right. Um, but yeah, wh- which uh, which which matchup do you want to do you want to start with? Um, I think that we we could start with i guess if we're just going to talk about the quarterfinals just start at the top and the the order that they played them in with the with the big man himself novak djokovic yeah what what did you think uh, um i was pretty proud of uh of fritz uh, one for getting to the quarterfinals i thought that was big for him but also i don't know it's just such a tough matchup uh because he's kind of one dimensional he's very good at what he does um, no disrespect to, to Taylor, but I always thought that was going to be a tough matchup. But he he made a made a big fight of it. It was a good match. Yeah, no, I agree. I I thought his level for the, at least the first two sets was extremely high. I I remember at one point in the second set, the the commentators were talking about his stats, and Fritz had just pulled off another unbelievable down the line forehand winner, and I, I believe it was the fortieth winner for him. And they were only halfway through the second set, so he was playing some of the best tennis that he may have been playing throughout his career in those first two sets. But then even with that, it just wasn't enough going into the third set. At one point, it looked like Djokovic was a little tired and was thinking about, it looked like he kind of let the second set go once he got broken early. Like he, he stayed competitive, but he didn't really try digging in except for a couple return games. But then soon as the third set started, he just kind of, put the pedal to the metal and was really taking a two frits from there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and it was sort of the, the, the sort of the second match that Djokovic had looked really, really good. Um, he's definitely, you know, started out, I wouldn't say poorly, but not as well as he's played now. And he's just sort of grown into the tournament, which is a pretty scary thing for the rest of the field mm-hmm. um, going into these semifinals. But yeah, a good tournament for Fritz, I think. I think he really needed it. Um, I watched the uh, the Breaking Bad. No, not Breaking Bad. What am I talking about? Breakpoint Break documentary point. on Netflix. Um, and he features in it. And 
yeah, he's quite uh he seems like just a really nice guy, really genuine guy. Um mm-hmm. so he kind of I wouldn't say I pull for him, but I you know, I always I want to see him win and do well and he seems to get so stressed about, you know, being a you know, a top American and flying the flag. So it was good to see him get a result. Um but it's just such a tough draw for me. He could play Djokovic over five sets, you know, a hundred times and probably he's gonna lose ninety nine of them. Yeah, um, it's just uh it's just a tough matchup for him. It, all of Djokovic's strengths played perfectly into Taylor Fritz's strengths, and Djokovic's strengths are just a, that much better, I think. Yeah, but he can do it against top players. You know, against Nadal, he's had success. So it's not like an, an aura thing about these top top guys. I think it's just it's just purely a matchup thing. And, you know, when you get aggressive with Nadal, he tends to back off and become defensive and in, invite the pressure, but Djokovic doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, good a good good round tournament for him and obviously beat his seed so 12th seed um in the quarterfinals i i, I saw there was a stat i think it was something it's not about 20 years old record that it's the highest ranked quarterfinal lineup that's right um, i think i i think i saw a similar one it was something like the last time they had quarterfinals this high was maybe the 2014 us open or french open something back when we had the big four still still kicking yeah. it and that was the i guess the one through seven and then the ninth seed or something like that yeah yeah i think you're right on that um so yeah the uh, Djokovic will play uh yannick sinner which is the the match that i'm super excited about mm-hmm. uh, i think that's going to be a, a classic i i'm i predict that now that it's, it's going to be one they make uh documentaries about i think it's going to be absolutely huge yeah sinner's been playing I mean, out of all the guys in the tournament, he's probably played the best tennis over the course of his five matches so far. Like, not dropped a set. He did look like he was in danger of doing that against Rublev in that second set, though. I believe he was down... Was he down 5-1 in that second set tie? Yeah, he was 5-1 down. He seemed to be struggling with a, you know, a, I guess it's like an ab injury. He seemed to mysteriously go away, but mm-hmm. he did look... Um, but I don't know. I think that sort of proves that, you know, in a you know, micro micro kind of way that he is a better player than he was last year, that he was able to be down 5-1 and just make a surge and, and win. I mean, that's how you have success at Grand Slams is, you know, winning efficiently and not dropping those sets. But, yeah. you know, what? I think he saved three say, match points against Djokovic last year. So what's 5-1 in a tiebreak? Exactly. Yeah. I think it was also big for him because he's going to be playing Djokovic to not go into a an extended four or five set match with Rublev by able like if he yeah. since he was able to take that out in three sets, that's that's huge for him physicality wise. We kind of saw him still even at the US Open last year, he was struggling with Zverev over the course of five sets and he ended up losing, but I don't think his chances would have been too great going into the next round after that. And I think he's a little more fit now, but he's still he's still pretty skinny, he's still pretty young. So I think he's got a little while before he kind of reaches that like Alcaraz, Djokovic type of fitness level. Yeah, I agree. And what's your take on Rublev? Is, is that uh, 10 quarterfinals in a row without progressing? I mean, he's got to be close to some some kind of record. Yeah. That. But I don't know. I just feel bad for the guy. He just seems to run into guy. You know, he's had a couple looks. He had Chilich, I think, at the French. And he had, there was another, a Tiafu at the US Open. Mm-hmm. And he lost them both. But other than that, he just seems to run into guys that are just playing lights out tennis. 
Yeah, it's weird because he, he was playing such good tennis earlier in the tournament. Like he struggled in the first round, and then he went on a streak of matches, I think three matches in a row where he looked great. And then that match against Rublev that he played, I mean, was a really high-quality match. He, even though Demonar, yeah, Rublev versus Demonar, sorry. When Demonar won the two sets and the those two tiebreakers, both of those really felt like he was barely squeaking them out, and Rublev felt like the better player in most of it. And he kind of closed it out in five sets, but then it just kind of looks like against the big guys, he either, I don't know if it's a belief issue or if it's uh, just a level, like, because his level throughout the tournament looked good, but I think against these top guys, he just doesn't quite have the same amount of belief in his game. And I I don't know if that's more of a, a mentality thing where we've seen him kind of explode in matches where he gets super angry, then he kind of cools down and angry again. You don't really see a lot of the top guys at this point do that. Like I think in most recent, maybe Andy Murray most recently was a, a bit like that where he'd, he'd get hot and then he would kind of cool down and get hot again. Yeah. Medvedev does a little bit like that sometimes. Yeah, that's true, but not never to the same extent as Rublev, where he looks like he's gonna explode and like destroy a racket at any given point. So I think, I think getting himself to be a little bit more even keeled, I think at least on a on the negativity side, might be helpful against someone like a Yannick Sinner and just kind of keep him in a better place. I guess I don't know if that would actually help him or not, but that's just my. Uh, my coaching advice. Yeah, if you're listening, that's what you got to do, Andre. <laughs> um, um, no, I. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to be a difficult to see. I, you can almost kind of see, even after this first Grand Slam of the year, how the rankings are probably going to play out over the <laughs> year. It looks like there's going to be a bit of a divide. The four, the, you know, the four top four: uh, Djokovic, Sinner, Medvedev, and Alcaraz. But we'll get on to him in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Those four, you know, if, if Rublev can't, you know, I guess break break that gap and start making semis and finals, it's going to become a, a big four again. Yeah, um, and I would I would throw Zverev in there, yeah, as a potential big five member just because of how well he's been playing. Yeah, well, see, I I'd almost disagree. I'd, I until the last match against Alcaraz, I don't think he was actually playing that good. Yeah, um, but yeah, let, let's. Uh, I don't want to do any injustice to her catch Medvedev, but let, let's skip them and come back. Let's let's go to Zverev and Alcaraz. Mm-hmm. Um, was that was it was brutal. He yeah. Alcaraz looked really really bad. That and yeah, you don't first, say that very often. Those first two sets were some of the most average looking tennis I've ever seen him play. Like it wasn't necessarily bad because a good part of it was Zverev playing his best t- tennis of the tournament, which is. I think at the end of the match, they said that Zverev had been hitting 85% of his first serves in, which is incredibly high for how hard of a server he is. But before that, it just, Medvedev, not Medvedev, sorry, Alcaraz looks like he had no real hope at all at any point. I mean, I remember at one point it was at the the 5-3 game right before he broke back, but he he missed a forehand in the bottom of the net and he just kind of put his hands on his knees and bent over for a few seconds and just looks completely out of the match. Yeah, um, you know, he was like smiling, like it, you know, like he didn't really mean that much to him. And then mm-hmm. he turns it lights on, plays some of the best tennis we've seen in this tournament. Um, it, it was a strange display, really, um, mm-hmm. by his standards too. Um, and Ferrero is not there, his coach not in the box. Uh, he had surgery, so so didn't travel. 
I, do you think that maybe has an impact on Alcaraz? I, I just, I don't know. I'm almost looking, you know, I know how it can be in tennis when, mm-hmm. you know, you play bad and there's nothing you can do. We've both been there. But just trying yeah. to find some sort of way to rationalize how bad it was in those first two sets. Yeah, I think that could could actually be a big important factor, more so in this like later stages of the tournament where he's playing the top guys because against someone like a like a Ketchmanovich or a Gasquet, like no offense to those guys, but they they aren't playing the same level of tennis that players like Medvedev and Zverev and even like a Hercash have been playing throughout. So you can kind of see it where he didn't really didn't really know what to do, what to adjust in certain moments against Zverev. And it was a combination of he he wasn't playing well in terms of being aggressive, like missing forehands, missing drop shots. And he also wasn't really able to just grind out rallies. Like it didn't seem like that was ever a, a strategy until later in the third set when he broke back and won that set. So I, I feel like in a lot of matches we've seen Ferrero just consistently talking to him like every single point he has something to to give him input input wise and i feel like that was a, a missing factor like you mentioned yeah do you, do you think that's going to be an issue for him you know that he has that reliance and that dependence on ferrero i think over the next couple years i he'll continue to mature i mean he's still only 21 years old so he's a he's a young guy still so i think he as he gets more experience, he won't need that as much. But at this point, I feel like he should be able to deal with it better. But also, I mean, he hasn't. There haven't been that many tournaments in the last, I would say, two years since he's really become like one of the top two or three players in the world. Where he's run into players aside from Djokovic who have been playing good enough tennis to beat him. Like we saw it a couple of years back at the French Open when he was one of the favorites, but Zverev beat him in four sets, I believe, there. And then kind of since then, there's not really been any big opposition to him aside from Novak. So I think dealing with that adversity is something that he'll he'll get better at, but he hasn't really had to face. Like winning the U.S. Open against Casper Ruud and then um, skipping Australia last year, French Open losing to Novak with the cram. So it's really, really been him versus Novak and then kind of dominating everybody else. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how that goes over the next year or so. Absolutely. I, I will say I'm, I am a little concerned for him. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I mean, I realistically he hasn't really played very well since he won Wimbledon in that incredible match with Novak. Yeah. Um, and I, I think maybe there was a bit of schedule mismanagement. You know, Zvera's played about 30 sets. Alcaraz has played 12 up to this point. You know, didn't I think maybe that maybe a little bit of almost arrogance creeping into the schedule. Mm-hmm. But I am. A, yeah, I'm a little concerned that it looks like a lot of guys are playing well this year and the competition is going to be harder. Um, you know, the the match against Medvedev, he was a clear favorite at the US Open, didn't mm-hmm. come through that one. I, I, I am just a little worried that it's it's going to be a bit of a culture shock because he has been, you know, the thing the guy for the last two years and i think maybe it wants to it's just going to take a bit of adapting i think now there's new yeah. players yeah if the people are not really figuring out his game because his game is just creativity big power athleticism but just kind of knowing that if you can weather the storm of big shots you're going to have your moments if you're a good enough server and a good enough player like we've seen with 
with both Medvedev and Zverev, you know, tall, six foot six, six foot seven guys that can kind of just bomb serves and get a ton of balls back. And then Yannick Sinner has also been another guy who's given him some trouble in past matches. So it'll be interesting to see how he does against really those four guys over the next eight to nine months of the season. Yeah, it's almost like he has better success against Novak than these other guys. Mm-hmm. Or at least bring it brings out the best of his tennis. Yeah, no, um, he, he raises his game when he plays him, and he he hasn't been able to do that as often against those other guys, I think. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with you there. And and no, you know, no no disrespect to, to Zverev at all, you know, us focusing on Alcaraz. And it was a fabulous performance from Zverev, and it almost looks like he's on a bit of a revenge tour. You know, the, the you know, allegations that are out against him, looks he looks more motivated to, I guess, you know, Prove people, prove people wrong, whatever they may be thinking. Yep. Um, so, so he does go on to play Medvedev, who came through her catch in five sets. That was an intriguing match. Like it yes. was, it was, it was quite, it was very good, but in its own unique way. Yeah, it was. It, I was watching most of that match. I, I kind of fell asleep at a couple points and woke up for the fifth set, but it was just a lot of like big serving and then like a slow grinding like not slow grinding but kind of slow like probing style tennis where they weren't really trying to hit big winners but they were just out maneuvering each other putting the ball in very specific places and it was it was interesting to watch two really tall guys just kind of finesse the ball around the court versus what you typically see in them just bomb serve bomb forehand yeah and, and we're kind of used to seeing that from Medvedev he, he does have that in his locker but her catch is just such an interesting watch because there's so many things that he does that are contradictory to what you expect him to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I thought it was good. Um, her catch is definitely just missing that extra, I don't know, bit of oomph, a bit of something, a bit of X factor that will take him to the next level. So I'm not surprised that, you know, Medvedev came through. There wasn't at any point where I was like, I think her catch is the favorite now. Or, the, mm-hmm. you know, the momentum's with him is going to take him over the line. You kind of always back Medvedev throughout. Yep, I would agree with that. We've kind of seen her catch be very close over the last couple of years. In matches like against Novak and Wimbledon, he took him to four sets and had chances to push that to five, but just kind of got tightly on the forehand, missed a couple of easy shots. And I think similar against Medvedev tonight, where he was he was really close, but it just came down to a couple points here and there where he didn't execute, maybe Medvedev raised his level a tiny bit, but he's he's on the edge. I think he's in a better position than Rublev is, just from a game style and being able to make a deeper run into some of these tournaments. But I think, uh, similar to Rublev, he, he's had some issues closing out matches against these better players where he's had opportunities. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. and and But he'll be happy with, with the result this two weeks that, he did his job, as far as I'm concerned. You know, making the quarterfinals for him is is a good result. That's what's going to keep him inside the top ten. You know, and you know Wimbledon, you would think he's probably a shoe in to make the quarters. Uh, you know, the French, it's kind of a toss up, but he needs to make the quarters of the Australian Open and the U.S. Open. So, job mm-hmm. done. Uh, I would say this 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 fortnight for for Hubi Hercatch. Yep, I agree. Especially ranking wise. Um, so before we move on to the, the semi-final preview, let's uh, have a moment for our, our sponsor, 3030 Tennis. 
Mark Milne over in Scotland doing great things. Um, the shortened format starts every game at 30-30 rather than love all. Uh, to increase the pressure of points and make every single point matter more. Um, you know, it creates short, shorter matches, perfect for all levels of the game, all the way from, from amateur to professional. Uh, for more information about 3030 Tennis, uh, find their uh, link to their website in the uh, podcast bio or visit them on LinkedIn, Instagram or Facebook. Uh, thank you so much to, to 3030 Tennis for, for partnering with us. So, Jacob, what what... I mean, they're, both of these semifinals are, are scintillating. They're exciting. I think they're probably some of the best matches we could potentially see this year. If you had to pick one to say I'm most excited, well, you're going to say Djokovic, I think. But is is Djokovic? Are you more excited for Djokovic Center than you are for Medvedev Zverev? Uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I'm I'm definitely a bit more excited for the Djokovic Center matchup. Um, but that's not to say that I am not excited for Zverev and Medvedev. They, I think. I saw something where they've played six or seven times at least last year, and they've already played, I believe, 18 or 19 times in the last... Yeah, it's 11, four 11 to years. 7. 11 think, to 7, yeah. Yeah. And there's just but a little bit But they never played a, in a slam. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah. This this will be their best first best of five set. Interesting. I There's been a little bit of uh, a bad blood, I would say, between the two. Not not a ton. Yeah. Not not as much as, you know... Uh, a Medvedev City pass or something like that, but oh, it was it was pretty bad blood at Monte Carlo last year when yep. Verev came back and Verev was dominating the match, and then he kicked the he kicked the the well, the single stick out of the net post, and they you know they were saying that he was cheating and and mm-hmm. that so it, it's it was pretty bad blood. Yeah, the the handshake at the end wasn't uh, wasn't too friendly, but they they played yeah, multiple times since then and. Uh, it got a little bit better, but I I'm still interested to see what that match looks like because I feel like they they don't play too similarly, but they both have big serves. They both like to play long rallies, and I think that and when they play each other, Medvedev is the one that almost needs to step up and be aggressive because if he lets Zverev dictate too much, then he kind of gets in a tough position. But they both play a very I would say unique against each other's style. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how that match goes. Yeah, I think Zverev's going to go to the serve and volley a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he'll he'll use that tactic more than he does usually. Mm-hmm. But I know Medvedev returns very well from so far back, but I, I, think, he'll, I think he'll employ that, shorten some of the points, um, put some good variation in there. And it'll be the day session, I think. I, I would... Assume they'll put Djokovic Center in the night session, so it'll be an interesting dynamic. Just the the course of the day to have you know sort of a, a scrappy you know feud, yeah, uh, with the Medvedev Verb, and then you know I guess the night session. I mean I anticipate a classic, um, yeah, and Djokovic Although, will be out for revenge after the Davis Cup, so yeah, and the fi- no, ATP Finals. I agree for sure. They they had the that Davis Cup match as well where. Uh, where Sinner took him down after saving the triple match points. So Djokovic will be in a, a good position, I think, where he, he'll he be eager to avenge that loss, but also kind of build on his his finals win against him. Yeah, I, Sinner is going to have to play really well, I think, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, there, I think there'll be a set. Sinner will win one set by hitting Djokovic off the court, and Djokovic will win a set by Sinner not playing as well and missing balls. 
and draw, so that I think they'll get one set each like that. But I think that you know the to get the other two sets is Sinner's going to have to grind. Sinner's going to have to be aggressive, but also not miss. And that's going to be tough to do against Novak to actually break him down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, would, I agree 100. Um, percent So who? I think you're still winning in the predictions. I believe. I, yeah. I think it's, we both had Zverev winning. I, I I didn't realize that. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get some points. And then I looked at your draw, and you had him too. And I was like, no. Yeah, I I believe we both picked the same four people for the for the semifinals, but I believe you have Zverev going to the final, and I have Medvedev going to the final. Yeah, I think that's gonna. I have Rune. My I instead of Medvedev, I have Rune. In oh, the, okay. But yeah, so, so I really I need Zverev to to win. Yeah, you need Zverev to win, and it doesn't help either of us if Novak loses because we both picked Novak, I think, to win the tournament. Yeah. Well, the clubs will come down to the final. The I mean, I guess the semifinals, but not the final day. Yeah, pretty much all the way to the end, unless you know. Well, I guess yeah. If, if let's say if uh, if Zverev makes it, that would put you probably even with me in points, and they could come down to whoever picked uh, the correct game total for the final. Oh yeah, I can't remember what I put for that. We'll uh, we'll have to see how that pans out. Yep, that'll be definitely interesting to see when we get there. Yeah, I did want to uh, just, you know, the last thing before before we leave you um, on this on this Wednesday night, to, to get into 11 p.m. Um, but I wanted to have just say about the doubles, the doubles draw, and I wanted to get your opinion on. You know, I looked at the the quarterfinals and it was like there was like three guys of the the 16 players that were under the age of 30, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see your opinion on on what you thought about the average age of the doubles player and what, how you think that translate to younger players getting into the game. Um, I don't know, because you just don't see, hear too much about doubles anymore. It seems like there was a push about five years ago to, you know, increase participation, but it doesn't seem like that anymore. And, you know, Bapana's the new world number one. He's about 43. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, it, it seems almost like it's, you know, a, a game for the older guys now. Yeah, it's really interesting because I feel like, when you look at the the challenger level and the futures level of doubles, it's all young guys at that level. But then when you get up to the the pros like ATP and maybe like the high end challengers, it's it's just as you mentioned, it's all older guys like Simone Bellelli, who we haven't seen play a singles match, I don't know, maybe in four or five years, is grinding away in the the double semifinals and. I think one of the youngest guys in the draw is uh, your guy Mac Hack. He's currently in the the double semis right now. But yeah, yeah, like it's really I know, you look at the average age here, and it's you know Bolelli's thirty eight, Vavasori's twenty eight. So, but in terms of the draw, you're like, oh, he's you know he's young. But I mean, twenty eight's no spring chicken in terms of mm-hmm. a, a tennis age. You're almost Yannick at Hamm- the end of your you're almost at the end of your singles career at that point for a lot of guys. Yeah, you know Hampman's. 32. Can you believe that? Yannick Hansman. I didn't realize he was that old. Yeah. His partner, Dominic Kupfer, is 29. And then you have Makak, who's 23. Zhang, who's 27. So those are the you know the two youngish guys. Mm-hmm. And then Bapana, who's 43. And Matt Ebden, who's 36. Yeah. And I guess the contrast to other the older guys in the quarterfinals was, was more. I, I just wonder how... Do you think that's good for the game that, you know, the the best players 
in the doubles are are older, like over forty. Like what? I, it's hard for me to to really think about you know a ten year old being like, yeah, I want to play doubles because you know Rohan Bapan is my hero. You know, like it, right. I feel like doubles has almost turned into. I mean, it's always been kind of the place where if you're not good enough to make singles, you go play doubles. But I feel like in recent years, we've seen a little bit more of former ATP guys that were ranked maybe around the 50s, like someone like a Horacio Zabios, who's was uh, seated four with Marcel Granollers. They, they lost earlier in the tournament, but like those are two former ranked singles guys that are ranked pretty highly in doubles. And you, you don't see a lot of the younger guys anymore. Like I know we had, uh, what was it, last year or two years ago when Kyrgios and um Kokonakis won the doubles like that was that was fun to watch because it was two younger guys but also two good singles tennis players and they kind of but I mean I think that's what it takes for people to get interested in the doubles you just, right. it's like basically just when a singles player plays doubles and then mm-hmm. that gets the attention like I feel like maybe that was different with the Bryan brothers yeah but now they're gone it's I know I worry about the 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 state of doubles yeah, I think, really based I think on some that. of the some of the doubles that I've enjoyed watching the most is maybe Indian Wells when they actually have a lot of those singles guys playing doubles because you get to see matchups and doubles that you might not ever see at any other tournament. Like I remember watching a YouTube the double video. Wanted. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I remember seeing a YouTube video is Yannick Sinner and Lorenzo Sinego versus JJ Wolf and Marcos Garon and the quality of the match was extremely high, but it was fun to watch like four top, pretty much top 30, top 50 guys that play singles, just actually play doubles versus your standard, you know, like 250 singles level player, but maybe top 50 doubles player play a doubles match. It was just like the level difference of just the ball striking was massive, but like the actual points themselves were a little different, I would say. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's uh, it's uh, it's food for thought. Um, you know, just the the state of the game, and not necessarily Australian Open related. Um, but you know, when it'll be interesting to see how doubles plays out over the course of the year. Mhm. Yeah, hundred um, And a question for you: Do you personally think that right now, okay, peak Jacob Andrews, could you beat Rohan Bopana, forty-three-year-old Rohan Bopana at singles? Um, peak Jacob Andres, I I think so. At 43 years old, he's not going to be moving too well around the court. I'm expecting a lot of serve and volley at that point, and uh, I am a big fan of people serving and volleying against me because I think I have a pretty decent return. So I I like my chances in that. I think uh I think a fresh George Barfoot puts a a two and two win on uh Mr. Bopana. I don't think so. I think I. Th- I... I, I I think I might disagree with you. I, I, I think he would be too good at serving volley. I think it would be really difficult to play against him. That might be true. I haven't seen his return in a while, so that could uh, that could be a big part of the match too. I think. Is it, is he... Also, the, the age maybe is not relevant. Is not relevant. You know, like if he's serving volleying every point, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to make the return. Probably try and come in. If you're not playing a rally over five shots, you know, if he's still at the back after three shots, he's just going to tee off. Yeah. I think it could. I, I wonder if there's like, I, there's got to be some videos of him playing. Sing. I'd like to see it. Yeah, I just, I just checked on his, uh, his former singles ranking. I'm going to have to take my 
take my statement back. He used to be ranked uh, around 200 in the world back in 2007. Oh, yeah, there's, there's no chance. Yeah, yeah, so maybe I two and two the other way. Yeah, I don't see myself uh, doing too well, <laughs> especially because he's still playing tennis. If he hadn't played tennis in 20 years, I... I think I might have a shot, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not beating any uh, former top 200 players. I, th- I think it's crazy that he's that old. Uh, we say t- we're talking like he's 43, like he's ancient, like he's some granddad. But yeah. uh, you know, he he's that age. Number one double, world doubles, but there's guys his age that are playing on the Champions Tour. Mm-hmm. I think that's just kind of funny that he's he's still going. Pretty incredible that he still has the motivation to to play week in week out yeah i mean he's played i don't know how many matches at this point in his career but i mean that's a ton of tennis especially grinding on the doubles tour as well i guess it's not as physically challenging as singles but it's still it's still a a grueling experience to have to fly to a tournament every week especially when he could be retired if he really wanted to be yeah he could have his feet up on a beach somewhere Mm -hmm. i don't know if they have I don't know if they have good beaches in India, but um, yeah, just uh, just interesting. Or, or you know, it's not exactly the lights and action of the singles tour, is it either? They put you on a you know outside court for the first you know three or four rounds. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I think that that's all I've got, Jacob. Um, the first uh, on the road episode of Around the Net Post. Um, anything you want to you want to add before we close here? Uh, nope. Just that I'm super excited for the upcoming semifinals. I'm I'm planning on staying up for both of them uh, since it's going to be Saturday the next day. Uh, even though we may have college matches the next day, it looks like we're going to get rained out. So it'll be the perfect time to pull an all-nighter for the for the semifinals and hopefully for the finals too. Yeah. Um, never thought I'd hear a coach say they were they were wishing for a ma- match to be rained out. Not that you said that, but you strongly implied it. <laughs> maybe maybe um but yeah i get um i guess we'll we'll give the the listeners a, a little taste of of what we have planned coming up after the australian open um some guest speakers in the in the works um diving into to to jacob's realm of of tennis coaching at, at the college level um going back into the archives for some some college memories as well so changing it up a little bit from from you know tour based um news reporting podcasting whatever you want to call it um so some exciting stuff just around the corner um but but for now that's about your lot i've been george barfett i'm jacob andres and remember always go around the net post